Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to GEICO. GEICO could help you get great coverage at a great price. And it only takes 15 minutes to see if you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Go to GEICO.com today and see how much you could save. Today's opening tip, LeBron James showed up to last night's Laker game with an open shirt look, which prompted his friend Dwayne Wade to do the same thing in the TNT studio. Richard, who wore it better? <laughs> Honestly, I, like, these guys love them to death, but God, they love the attention. They just love <laughs> the attention. People give me stuff because I get on his page and I just talk trash to him. But, like, ultimately, it's like, dude, we get it. We get it. I mean, did he have Richard to take Jeff- a shower before the game, Rachel, after putting all that oil on? I don't know. <laughs> Richard Jefferson, all I can say is it takes one to know one. Welcome to The I Jump. Agree. I am Rachel Nichols <laughs> here with our NBA insider, Ramona Shelburne. So nice to have Ramona back. And NBA champ, Richard Jefferson, coming up. The Sixers are without Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid today. We're going to talk about whether their problems are fixable long term. Stick around for that. First, though, let's get to the Lakers. Kyle Kuzma drained a go-ahead three-pointer in the final second of the game off an Anthony Davis assist. It was a great play out of a timeout drawn up by Frank Vogel. Kuzma had 25 points in the Lakers' win last night. That was his most during the restart. And if you want to know his secret, apparently his mom was watching as a virtual fan courtside. Love that. He took to Instagram to highlight rule number one. Always play good when your mama pulls up. Here's Kuzma and LeBron James after the game talking about that big shot. Take a listen. It just shows that um, my teammates and my coaches, they, 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 they trust in me, uh, the trust that they have in me. And, um, you know, every time we ran that play in practice, I've kind of hit the shot. So, you know, they kind of just went to me. So, um, obviously, you know, to play nine out of ten times going to LeBron, but uh, – you know, call my number, and, you know, it's all about trust. I mean, I, I'm, I'm starting on most teams in this NBA, in this league, and, you know, everyone knows it, but it just so happens that um, I play behind the, the best two players in the NBA. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm just trying to uh, fill in my role, try to find a niche, try to win, because um, that's kind of all that matters. In order for us to win a championship, he has to be our third best player. And if I'm struggling or if AD's struggling, he has to be our second best player, you know, any given night. I mean, it's just, we can't, we can't win a championship if Kuz doesn't play well. All of that pretty interesting. I believe Kyle Kuzma also said that he loves to shoot the basketball, and if Jesus was in front of him defending, he would still take a shot. Richard, I'm not going to ask you to break down the Holy Apostles, but I do want to know how important you think Kuz is to the Lakers' ultimate success here in Orlando. He is the most important player on their team. And I'll tell you this, it's because of this. We know what to expect from LeBron. We have expectations for AD that we feel like he can fulfill, whether it's on the defensive end or on the offensive end. Kyle Kuzma is the unknown. If Kyle Kuzma plays in a 15 to 17 point range, 15 to 18 point range throughout the postseason, the Lakers are the favorites. If he's somewhere between 14 and and 12 points, like in that range, then they're going to struggle because LeBron James is, is, is 39 years old. Anthony Davis is going to, they're going to be physical and physical and physical against them. You need that third person. Danny Green has struggled. Deion Waiters. You start looking at the rest of their line. He's the one guy that you look at that can be a consistent scorer and a consistent force for their team. 
Well, I'm glad LeBron James finally said it, that, that, that Kyle Kuzma needs to be their third best player because that has been the debate with the Lakers all season long. Was it KCP? Was it Rondo? Was it Kuzma? No, it has to be Kyle Kuzma. And I think one of the things, you know, he hit that shot. Frank Vogel said he stole that, he stole that play from Mike Budenholzer when they used to run it in Atlanta. They would run it for Kyle Korver coming around with a Paul Millsap screen. But he had practiced that last week. He hit the shot that last week. They called it for him. It was a, it was a brilliant play with LeBron James drawing away two decoys. But he hit the shot, and he's been playing great defense, which has always been the knock against Kyle Kuzma. The last three games, he's got seven steals. The entire season before the bubble, he had 21 steals. So if he can bring it at both ends of the court, I think the Lakers have something. If not, we're still having the debate over who their third best player is. The defensive aspect is so important. He and I were talking last week, and he said that being behind, as he noted in that sound you heard, being behind LeBron and AD at his position, he said, I realized the only way I could get on the court with them was to play my butt off on defense, although Ramon and Richard, he didn't say butt, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And that really, that is where some of that newfound dedication come, came from, and also that he's just healthier than he's been all season. Remember, he got injured during the World Cup play, was out for the beginning of the regular season. Even once he worked his way back in, wasn't fully healthy. He told me he did all kinds of exercises during the shutdown to strengthen his lower body, and you can see the results on the court. Now we'll just have to see if once they get into postseason pressure, we will see the results on the court. I, I want to get into who they might play because there's been a lot of chatter around the bubble. We haven't had the play-in game yet. We don't even know who's officially going to be in the play-in game yet, but there's a lot of speculation that if the Portland Trailblazers are facing the Lakers in the first round, it could be a very interesting matchup. Now, you're seeing video from the last time these teams met. Obviously, an incredibly emotional game. It was the Lakers' first game after the tragic death of Kobe Bryant. But it was a basketball game. And that night, Damian Lillard dropped 48 points, led the Blazers to a win at Staples Center. Ramona, you and I were both there that night. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Blazers pose a legit threat to the Lakers if they end up meeting in the first round? Yeah, I do. And guess who also does? The Clippers, who were trying to throw a game against the Blazers <laughs> to help them get into that play-in game the other day. Like, the Blazers were built a couple of years ago under, under the premise that they are not going to out-small ball the Warriors or the Rockets or the other teams in the league that have, have tried to go small. So they wanted to go big. They went and got Yusuf Nurkic, Zach Collins, and at the time Ennis Cantor, and they had three seven-footers on the court all together, and it created matchup nightmares for people. Well, the one team that you don't really have a problem with that is the Lakers, who have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee. So their big lineup is not going to give the Lakers any problems, but their guards will. And this is where not having Avery Bradley is really going to be a challenge for the Lakers because Danny Green, KCP, Alex Caruso are going to have a heck of a time chasing C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard around for a seven-game series. Yeah, yeah, Rachel, I agree. I think they, they have the most potential to be a problem for the Lakers. But let's be honest, the Blazers aren't playing great basketball. The Clippers basically tried to give them the game. They played against a Philadelphia 76ers team without Joel Embiid at, you know, at the end because of an injury, and then for without Ben it, yeah. Simmons, and, 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 didn't, and didn't play well. Dame is having to put up 50 points a game, and this is a team that is better than they were in the regular season because they got Nurkic back. You know, they got Zach Collins back, and they have yet to really dominate a team. That doesn't mean that they can't continue to play better. Dame is playing great. 
Uh, Carmelo has played great in stints in this bubble, but the Blazers are not playing great basketball, but they still pose the most potential problem to the Lakers. But they have a lot of work to do as a team in order to cause those problems, but it still is quite a potential for a problem. Yeah, that, that, that's really, I think, the key, right? It's that of all the teams competing for that eighth spot, they have the most potential to be a little ornery for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure anyone else does. Your point, Ramona, about gamesmanship. I mean, we saw this toward the end of what was the, quote, regular season before the shutdown, right? Where the Lakers yeah. were, were resting and Clippers were resting guys between the, the Grizzlies and the Pelicans game they had because they did not want the Pelicans to come up and get that eighth spot. So... All of this happens in any time of year, any time that we see this. But in the bubble, I guess, it's just it's all the more interesting. I do want to get to that race for the Western Conference because the play-in controversy and, and race continues yesterday. The Suns beat the Thunder to improve to 6-0, and Richard, 6-0. and They are the only undefeated team remaining in the bubble. So here are the scenarios in which Phoenix could make the play-in. First, if the Suns win their final two games and the Blazers lose one more, well, the Suns are in, regardless of what happens with the Grizzlies. Second, if the Suns win one more game and Portland loses both of their games, they're in, regardless of what happens with the Grizzlies. And lastly, if the Suns win both of their games and the Grizzlies lose both of their games, hello, play-in game for Phoenix. So, Richard, Mr. Arizona, the Suns facing a depleted Sixers team today and the Mavericks on Thursday. Is it time to stop doubting them? I think it's time to stop doubting them because they're playing well, right? This is, but, but this is one of their, this is their longest winning streak in about five years. So like this is not typically who they've been and who they are, but this is who they are right now. And they're playing well. They have an air of confidence about them. They're hitting big shots. That uh, Devin Booker's hitting shots from all over the court. DeAndre Ayton campaign. Like you just look at these guys and they're finding ways to win. And that is a compliment to Monty Williams and this group because they came in with the mindset that they wanted to play. This isn't the Washington Wizards. This is a team that has a lot of talent on there that can cause some problems. But I ultimately, I don't think they're going to make it. I don't think they're going to make the play-in game. I'm, I'm sorry. I think it's, it's still they were just too far behind, but they, they have been a cause for excitement in the Phoenix area. Look, the Suns have definitely wanted to be there, but it, it's, it's kind of like when you're getting married and you have a list of 50 people that you invite. And this is all pre-COVID, okay? But when you have 50 people you invite, <laughs> and then once people start sending in their no's, you're like, okay, I can invite these other people because I, I, I have room. Like, that was the Suns. Like, they're only there because in the Eastern Conference, they had to create a, a, a threshold where they can invite Washington and have a, the, some semblance of, of a competition for the 8-9 game. The Suns, there was really no argument for them to be there except that, oh, they were the same amount back as Washington. But they wanted to be there, and you can see that they they want to be there. They're trying. They have no pressure on them. They're they're incredibly loose, and they have a young star in Devin Booker who has taken this team and this league on his shoulders and said, "Let me see if I can just will my team into the playoffs." I I, I don't think they're going to make it as well. I think it's there's just too many things that have to go right for them to go to make it all the way in. But it's been fun to watch, and I think it's really in the spirit of this competition for the eight nine seed better than anything the NBA could have asked for outside yeah. of Zion doing this look i'm not going to predict because honestly i will flat out admit i would never have predicted they would go six and zero in their first six games so i will just let it play out i do think no matter what happens with them though it's going to be a win mm -hmm. 
they don't make it to the playing game or they make it and they don't make it into the actual playoffs, I, I don't think that mm-hmm. matters that much. This is a huge win for Devin Booker, for DeAndre Ayton, for everyone's confidence, for Monty Williams. And we had DeAndre Ayton on the show last week talking about just the relationship that they all formed during the shutdown, how Monty Williams was able to keep them together, even when they were in all kinds of different places. It's showing up now, and I think that is going to carry over into next season. It's impressive, man, and, and I hope they continue to make a little bit of noise. All right, guys, coming up after a heated exchange back in January, and oh, oh, that post-game press conference was amazing. T.J. Warren and Jimmy Butler did, in fact, face off for the first time last night. Did the matchup live up to the hype? We'll discuss that next on The Jump. Keep it locked. GEICO presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and (laughs) I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with GEICO, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. It's a make or miss league. It's a make or make. Uh, it's a make. It's a make or miss league. Uh, ma- it, <laughs> it's a make or miss league. <laughs> Thank you, CJ. Let's check out today's make or miss. Brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Make fly routes. Bull Bull ends up with a rock under the hoop and fires a full court pass to Plumlee for the slam. Richard, who would make a better quarterback, Bull or Nikola Jokic? We've seen him do that too. Oh, Nikola Jokic, he's built like Ben Roethlisberger, right? <laughs> like he that, that he's built like that. I don't. I, he I would used feel to be. bad for Bull. I feel bad for Bull Bull if he ever would have taken a hit from a defensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, I don't want him scrambling. I don't want him scrambling outside the pocket at all. Just don't, don't get hurt. <laughs> I like it. Miss settling. Suns thunder. End of the shot clock. Devin Booker finds himself with a half-court line. line, Just chucks it up and drills it. Ramona, shades of a little Paul George in Indiana there? Look, I I think you want Devin Booker taking that shot. The way he's going, he's the guy you want shooting it. And if he can make it, I know he practices those shots. Go right Mm -hmm. ahead. Yeah, yeah, honestly, for him, this is a free shot. You catch the ball, you look around, the shot clock's running up, you picked up your dribble, fire it, who cares? But he does have that range. You want him on that shot, you need him on that shot. It's just, you know, all of that. It's all going in for the Suns right now. All right, make confrontation, staying with Thunder Suns. Loose ball, Hamadou Diallo dives after it and collides with Book's legs. Richard, is this dirty? Is it reckless? Is it just fine with you? This is the postseason. Guys are fighting for the postseason. This is like the energy is picking up. Uh, you know, so you got to get on the floor. It's first to the floor. And so Devin Booker is going to learn that. If they're trying to get into this playoff game, it's not about hitting shots and playing defense. It's also that nitty gritty stuff. So that's just part of it. You know, Rachel, this reminded me of the play where Patrick Beverly dove at Russell Westbrook's yeah. feet and, and knees. And that's where Russell injured his knee. It started the feud between him and Beverly all those years ago. That happened in a playoff game. I was five feet away from it. I didn't think it was dirty at the time, but any play like that where you could injure somebody's knee, I can say I think it's reckless. Yeah, and again, that's dirty slash reckless. Reckless and dirty are two different things. It can be reckless. All right, Miss Safety, Raptors, Bucks. 
Former Oregon star Chris Boucher getting it on the break, packs it with two hands, gets fouled. By the way, the entire bench jumped over. It was like a hockey line change. It was amazing when he made that. Um, do two-handers make the best posterizations? What do you think, Ramona? No. One-handers. One-handers. <laughs> the big one. Grab that paw. Move it around. No, no, no. One-handers, because you can get a lot more. Little guys. Little guys have the best one-handed dunk. Well, two, two-handers, you're just kind of showing off, right? You're just saying, <laughs> I can do this, too. I don't, I don't but I don't know. If it, the best ones are when you jump over somebody and knock them down. Yes. There you go. Make impacts. Michael Kidd, Gilchrist playing 18 minutes for the Mavs yesterday. Now, if you look at the box score, he had zero points. He had zero assists. He had zero steals, zero blocks, and zero turnovers. But he had six rebounds and a game-high plus 21 rating. Richard, what do you think of that stat line? One, you know, look, you can contribute in other ways. You can help get defensive stops. You can make all the rotations and other guys are hitting shots. But ultimately, plus minuses can be very, very deceptive. Not going to get you paid. (laughs) (laughs) And really, that's the important sentence. All right, guys, welcome back into the jump. Richard Jefferson, Ramona Shelburne still with me. Ramona coming from her exotic locale in Tahiti. It's nice. I'm glad that you could drop in and join us, Ramona. I want to shift gears to the latest installment of the Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren drama. Last night they met for the first time since this freakus back in early January. Jimmy had some very colorful language for TJ Warren back then. And so last night, Highly anticipated. It was Jimmy's first game in a week also because of a minor injury he'd been nursing. So here's a look at the head-to-head matchup. Neither guy really shot the ball especially well, but Jimmy got to the line a lot more. And Warren was a minus 11. Jimmy was a plus 17 in a win for the Heat. And Richard, I know you just said plus minus can be deceptive. I know you think that the W and L column, that is the important one. But if you look at where Jimmy was defending TJ Warren, that's where some of that minus 11 came from. Do you think the rematch lived up to the hype? Uh, I think it lived up to you wanted to watch how it was going to go down. Did it live up to the actual hype? I'm going to say no. But the only reason why it was even hyped, it wasn't because of the feud. It wasn't because people thought Jimmy Butler or TJ Warren was the same player. It's because TJ has been on fire for the last few games. And he has been one of the best players in the bubble, right? He's been one of the most impressive players, the all-bubble team. That's why it was must-see TV. But if you really watch TJ Warren's game, and I called that game yesterday, if you watch him, he does it through their offense, moving the ball, cut shot. He's not an ISO guy. He's not going to get plays called for him. But I just felt like Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat, it wasn't just Jimmy Butler, but the Miami Heat wanted to put out that flame, that TJ Warren flame, and they did a great job of it. Hmm. Yeah, this was a this was a table setter, right? I mean, they play together. They play each other Friday also. They're going to probably yep. be the four or five matchup in the playoffs. So we're going to see a lot more of that. But Jimmy Butler wants to get in T.J. Warren's head right now. He's, of all the defenders who have faced T.J. Warren for at least 150 different attempts, Jimmy Butler is tied for the best against him in terms of allow, the number of points he's allowed scored on him. He's trying to get in his head because they're going to see a lot of each other over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. All right. And you mentioned the all-bubble team, Richard. The NBA announced today that, indeed, it is going to honor top players in the seeding games. It is introducing the Kia NBA all-seeding games team. 
and the Kia NBA Player of the Seeding Games, which is basically who's the all-bubble team and who's the MVP of the bubble. Someone like T.J. Warren would certainly indeed be in consideration. Richard, do you like that they're doing a separate awards just for these eight seeding games? 1,000% because we look at the shift. We look at the change. We look at how hard Damian Lillard has had to play to get his team in contention. We look at Devin Booker just really becoming a superstar. He was always a star, but becoming a superstar but in, you know, in front of everyone's eyes, leading his, the Suns to an undefeated you know, bubble record so far and putting them a half game outside the playoffs. You know, even you know, TJ Warren, what he's done leading the bubble in, in, in scoring. So there has been some magnificent performances that should be applauded, especially coming off of a four-month layoff. They should have awards. Well, look, the NBA has gone out of its way to make sure that these seeding games mean something. They didn't want to just have scrimmages. I mean, they, they, they had some of those, but they wanted these regular season seeding games to mean something in the scope of the entire season. We already voted for our postseason awards, so they had to create something so that these seeding games were not just a glorified scrimmage. I think it's a great idea considering where we are at this point. We did turn in our awards ballots already, but I still do not understand why we had to at that point. The stats in these eight seeding games count for the players' regular season stats. When we go back in the record books 10 years from now and we see the stats, they're all going to be squashed together with what we had before the shutdown. So why were Mm -hmm. the awards cut off? In the middle of March, I don't understand that. Oh, I think don't tell, that these... don't tell LeBron James fans that. Don't tell LeBron James fans that. It what? Why? Well, I'm just saying because, you know, if you look at the MVP race, if you look at that, he was starting to close that ground going into the final stretch. But they were saying, like, you had to stop and make your votes on everything prior to that. And ultimately, I think that took a little bit of fire out of the Lakers because they weren't playing for anything. They weren't playing for for awards. They weren't playing for home court. There was really nothing in it for them at this point in time other than just to kind of tune up their game. So I think that actually like lowered the performance for some of these top teams, whether it was Milwaukee, uh, you know, Toronto's actually played well, but the Lakers, the Clippers, I think it's lowered it because there wasn't anything at stake. And so I think that actually was the one thing that they should have changed. Yes, exactly. It would have given them more something to play for. And in the end of any mm-hmm. regular season is a bit of a, a jumble of does the team care enough to be fielding its regular players and is there something they're going for? So I'm still I'm not on board with the original decision, but I at least like this decision. I'm excited to see who wins all of these new awards. All right, coming up, we're going to bring the stat market back. I can hear that bell now. Could Giannis become the third ever player to win the Defensive Player of the Year and MVP awards in one year? Buy or sell on that? Think about your answer. We'll be back after the break. Let us know. See you in a minute. Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're gonna sleep in the car now. Happy Geico-ween. Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents. Tomorrow, we got another great NBA doubleheader for you, 6.30 Eastern. This one has major seating implications for the Sixers, who are looking to move up to the 4 or 5 spot as they face the Raptors. And then, it's a big matchup in the West between the Clippers and Nuggets. Our coverage tips off with NBA Countdown. 
6 o'clock Eastern on the app or on ESPN. Welcome back to The Jump. I'm Rachel Nichols here with Richard Jefferson, Ramona Shelburne. Our researchers have been digging into all the numbers, guys, since the NBA restart. And that means, oh, yes, it's time to open up the stat market. We give you the numbers and you buy if you think that they will remain steady or increase. You sell if you think they will decrease. All stats are entering play today on Tuesday. So don't think the Rockets' small ball defense can be efficient. Well, before the bubble, their defense efficiency ranked 16th. Now they're fifth in the bubble, a top five defense. Richard, you buy or sell the Rockets continuing to be a top five defensive team down here in Orlando. Ooh, top five, that's tough. But what I will say is I am buying their improved defense. And this is why. Because we already know what they have the capability of doing offensively. They're one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive, offensive duo. But where it is is that even if their defense drops from five to eight, as long as they keep that offensive efficiency, they're going to be next level. So I am buying their new improved defense. Yeah, I'm selling them as the top defensive efficiency team in the bubble. I think that the top two defensive teams in the league haven't really been incentivized to go hard on defense. You haven't really seen the Bucks step it up. You haven't seen the Lakers step it up or the Clippers in that regard because their seeding is, is already set and they haven't had to. Um, but I, I, I'm with Rich. I think they're going to be better defensively, which means a lot when you're talking about a team that um, is, is a very dangerous team going forward. Yeah, and it means something, too, by the way, that they've been playing that well defensively down here because across the board we've seen teams after taking that four-month break be mostly sharper offensively than defensively. In fact, scoring is up in the bubble compared to what it was during the regular part of the season. So if Houston has been able to look sharp on that end of the floor, it's sort of doubly impressive. We will see if they can keep it up. All right, let's move on to Dallas. Guys, does it feel like Luca and Porzingis just can't stop scoring? Since the restart, they have combined for 62.8 points per game. That is the best of any duo in the bubble. It's an increase of more than 15 points per game from what they were averaging before the restart. So, Ramona, buy or sell this type of scoring will continue for Luca and KP here in the bubble. Well, with apologies to Luca and KP, I'm going to sell this one too because we haven't seen LeBron James and Anthony Davis really go to work this way. We haven't seen we we, we haven't seen Paul George and Kawhi Leonard step up in this way. Oh, and by the way, there's the Rockets guys with Russ mm-hmm. and James Harden, Dame Lillard and CJ. I just think there's other duos that are going to be scoring more come playoff time. Yeah, I, look, I, I really like you know this Dallas this pairing, and I think a lot of it has to do with Porzingis is more healthy. He's had four months to train get back into the shape he was before he got injured originally. So uh, I'm going to sell it, but not not in a, in a large way. I think there'll be a slight decrease, but you don't want to sell the stock. I, you don't want to sell it. You want to hold on to it, but there's going to be a slight decrease. I mean, honestly, whether they are the best scoring duo in the bubble or not, what's most important is that they do a better job in crunch time. Dallas is still having trouble in the clutch. I heard opponents over this last week or two say, all we got to do is get within, you know, a few points with them having the lead. And don't worry, we'll be fine, which is, you know, not an insult you want to hear on the other end of the bench. So I know that that is what they are focused on going into the playoffs. I want to move on to Giannis now. Had an incredible season, of course, qualifying as a finalist for both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. They've announced that he's in the top three in voting in both categories. 
Now, we say it a lot. The only two players to have ever won both of those awards in the same season, Michael Jordan and Hakeem. And I wanted to look at this other list, too. Guys like Giannis last year, Kawhi, LeBron, Dwight Howard. All of those guys have finished in the top two for both of those awards. But even then, with those names on the board, it's only Hakeem and MJ who have actually done it. So, Richard, buy or sell Giannis's chances to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year this season? Uh, I think the MVP, yes. I think Defensive Player of the Year, I think that one's going to be a little bit harder. I think the votes are going to be spread around a little bit more on that one. But let me tell you my issue. Am I, and, the Purdue, and Steve said, Richard, this is not what we're talking about. This is my issue with these <laughs> awards because Budenholzer is up. Now, Budenholzer is an Arizona guy. I love him to death. He's up for coach of the year again. I'm still trying to rack my brain on how you can have the MVP again, a guy that's top three in, MV, in defensive player of the year, and you're up for coach of the year after winning it the year before. What did you do? What did you do? And he's a great coach, but coach of the year should be individuals like, you know, Nate McMillan, who's done a great job with an injured team. You can look at Billy Donovan, what he's done. Those are impressive things when you have overcome adversity. Just wheeling out and having the same record again with the MVP and the best of, one of the best defensive players shouldn't put you in coach of the year. And that is no disrespect. I'm just a little confused about the voting. But Richard, first of all, producer Steve should know better than to tell you you can't talk about something because that is pretty much a guarantee <laughs> that you will talk about it on live television. Second of all, mm -hmm. I don't disagree with you in terms of, hey, maybe those awards shouldn't be all awarded to the same team at the same time for the reasons that you say. But it's not just wheel them out. You played on a Cavaliers team with LeBron James where people said, oh, Ty Lue, what is he even doing? Is he even coaching? You just wheel them out and follow LeBron. No, Ty Lue no, did no, plenty no, no, of coaching no, 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 that no, year. No, you no, know that no, that's no, not no, true. compare this. If you have the MVP, and I'm sorry, Ramona, if you have the MVP and you have the Defensive Player of the Year and you also are in top three in coaching, I'm not saying that he hasn't coached. I'm not saying that his job isn't difficult. I just think that there are other people that had more adversity, had more change and more to overcome than Budenholzer did this year. Last year, he should have 100% won Coach of the Year. Winning in Atlanta, should have won Coach of the Year. But this year, I don't think he did a top three coaching performance, not even close. I think he was probably somewhere in the five to 10 range as far as if you ask me, in my opinion. Well, Rachel, you know, Richard is what's called a narrative-based voter. He likes storylines. The good thing is I am too. I, I'm with you, Rich. Like, I like the, I like coaches that take, I like Taylor Jenkins from Memphis. I like Nick Nurse, who won without Kawhi for Coach yes. of the Year. And, and this year, I actually didn't, I think Giannis will win both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. I did not vote for him for MVP. I voted for LeBron James because I tend to be more of a narrative-based voter, and I feel like LeBron James took a, a Lakers team that had missed the playoffs six years in a row up to the top spot in the West after all of the dysfunction of the summer before. So I think he gets credit for that as well. But, I, I you know, Richard, unfortunately, most people are not narrative-based voters like you and I. So I think he will win both those awards. Love a good narrative. <laughs> I don't think, by the way, I, I, I take a little issue, Ramona, with narrative-based voter because you and I vote um, a lot of times on what is actually happening cohesively mm -hmm. as opposed to just straight stats. But I don't think yep. that's just narrative. I think that stuff like leadership is actually important in terms of value. Right. I think that what is going on in a season, I always point to Russell Westbrook. I voted for him for MVP the year he and James Harden were going at it, and I still feel great yep. about that decision because what happened in Oklahoma City after Kevin Durant left,
left, required the most valuable player in the league that year to step up and lead his team back into the playoffs. So That's a great point. I, I, I don't love the word narrative, but I do like voting uh, without just only looking at the stats sometimes. So I guess we're three ducks in a row on that one. That wait, is wait, a buzzing bell. Could you imagine if they went what? all three? If, could you imagine if they went all three? Like, come on. I mean, I can Giannis imagine. Giannis, Giannis, I have Giannis, an excellent imagination, Richard. Here. Could you win? Could you imagine that? That would be a travesty. That would. I, I'm just sorry. If they, they, if they win all three, come on. I'm sorry. I'm done. A travesty. Um, I think I heard the closing bell in there. I also heard thunder rumbling here in Orlando, and that definitely means the stat market is done for the day. It's nice here in Tahiti, though. There you go. (laughs) We'll have to check in (laughs) on how it is in Richard's black and white cookie when we come back, since we know how Tahiti and Orlando are doing. Coming up, the Sixers are dealing with the injuries at the moment. Are their problems bigger than just health? Can they be fixed in the long term? We will discuss. Stick around for that. Oh, first we got to jump recommends. Let's talk about it. The latest episode of the Low Post podcast. Not only does this episode feature the GOAT, Doris Burke, discussing the West playoff race, that would be enough to listen to it. But no, our jump researcher, Michael Schwartz, on the Low Post talking about what he knows best, the Phoenix Suns. Listen, wherever you get your podcast. I am so excited about this episode. I'm going to put it in right after the show. Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're gonna sleep in the car now. Happy Geico-ween. Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents. Tonight, we're going to have another ESPN2 WNBA doubleheader for you from the Wubble in Bradenton, Florida. The Aces take on the Fever at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, and then the Mystics squaring off against the Lynx. All right, Joel Embiid will not play today against the Suns because of a left ankle injury. Remember, that was suffered against the Blazers this past Sunday. Now, sources told Adrian Wojnarowski that there is optimism Embiid's injury isn't that serious and that he will be back soon. In fact, I was at that game where he got hurt, and even the rest of the way he was on the bench, he was walking out on the court to greet teammates, to high-five them. So I'm optimistic that he'll be around when the playoffs start next week. But, Ramona, even given that, with injuries to both Embiid and Ben Simmons, Mm -hmm. who we now understand will be out the rest of the way because of the surgery to his knee, where do the Sixers go from here? You know, this entire time, Rachel, we've thought that it – They have to answer the fundamental question of, can the Sixers win with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? Do their skill sets match up? Are they, even though they're both extremely talented, do those skill sets actually line up and form a winning combination? I don't know that we're ever going to get that answer because one or both of them tend to be hurt. And so it's going to have to be Embiid this year carrying them in the playoffs. But I think we may have been asking the wrong question. And And really it should be, do they have the right pieces around them to complement their skill sets? And their big addition this, this past summer was Al Horford, who the stats said should be a good fit next to Joel Embiid, but in reality has not been a good, been a good fit next to him at all. And I think when you, when you make the move to 
let Jimmy Butler go to Miami, okay, that's the three men that they, have, they, they desperately need and haven't really had this year, and replace him with Al Horford, who hasn't fit alongside him and, if anything, has been a liability playing next to him, um, then I think you, you have some, some tougher choices and, and questions to make going forward rather than just your two bedrock superstars of can they play together. Yeah, no, Ramona, I agree with everything you said. It, it, it's it's hard to decide. It's like it, which one can stay healthy long enough. Now, I'm not saying Joel Embiid is hurt because ultimately I think this is definitely a precautionary measure. But it still is not. It, it's something that you see more times than not precautionary measures used with Joel Embiid because you're trying to protect someone that you feel has a history of injury and, and, and Ben Simmons history of injury. And so I think both of these players are all NBA players. These guys are high level players and they're both very, very young. Am I ready to give up on them as a pairing? No. Do I think that the both of them had extreme trade value right now that you could get a superstar or you could get a star and some talent back and then start building that way? I, I think they're looking at this. Everyone in the NBA is talking about it. We talk about it. So you know that this is on the 76ers mind. So I'm very, very curious to see what Elton Brand does uh, in this offseason. Ramona, this was portrayed as a bit of a make or break season for Brett yeah. Brown. It's been a season no one could have expected. Do you think his job is still on the line if they don't do well, if they get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, I think it is. I think they have to think going forward of, you know, if you're, if you're not going to change your two superstars, and I still think that's on the table too, um, then maybe the coach is the one to go. Uh, I know Brett Brown really thought that he could make that Al Horford pairing work. That, that obviously hasn't worked the way that they wanted it to. And it's interesting, obviously, they're playing the Suns right now because – Monty Williams was on Brett Brown's bench last year. Yep. He would, he's had a lot of success there in Phoenix so far. Um, but, yeah, I think they have to look at everything because the Sixers are too talented and too good, and you have these guys right in, right in the prime of their careers where you don't get that many cracks at it. So sometimes, even, even though Brett Brown's a great coach, and if he wasn't the coach in, in Philly again, I think he'd find a job the next day, sometimes that, that ends up being the guy to go. Richard, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I think Brett Brown is one of these individuals that, you know, didn't did a good job of holding on early. And now I think the makeup of their team is very, very difficult. When you can see in the entire basketball community knows that these guys just don't mesh, losing Jimmy Butler. So to really try to figure out like how good of a job Brett Brown is doing, I think this is very, very difficult and it's not all on him. But sometimes you might change the coach before you change the superstars. All right, we will see what happens with this team. Never boring. All right, guys, up next, Jason Tatum showed up big for the Celtics in crunch time during their overtime win against the Magic this past weekend. After the game, he said they have four closers on this roster. Is that an asset or is that three too many? We will discuss. Stick with us. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and... <laughs> I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with GEICO, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. And it's crunch time here on the jump. John Morant turned 21 on Monday in the bubble. Now the Grizzlies still battling to keep the eighth seed in the West. They play the Celtics shortly after this show. Richard, do you expect any, I'm just going to call it carryover effect from John Morant's <laughs> 21st birthday? 
Well, if this was a normal situation, then I would say yes. But ultimately, I think you these guys are pretty locked about, in Richard. and they know what's at stake. They, I, they know what's at stake. So I know what you're talking about. If they could go out, if they could be social, if they were in a fun city, if there were other things around, maybe, but not not here. Rachel, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I had more fun in New York City when I turned 21 than John Morant was able to have in the bubble when he turned 21. They're going to be just fine. <laughs> hey, bubble life, man. There's things to do here. Maybe you went fishing. I, I don't know. All right. The NBA and the NHL have proven that a bubble works, at least so far, right? And now Major League Baseball is having preliminary discussions about holding their postseason in a bubble-type format. So, Ramona, this is interesting. We've had so many conversations about what next season should look like for the mm -hmm. NBA. Is it possible the NBA could follow baseball's model here of doing the regular season out in the world, and so you're not putting players in a bubble for eight months, but then doing a postseason bubble again so you at least know that's safe and secure? Well, you know, the NBA has taken this approach the entire time, which is let's not make a decision until we absolutely have to. But I know every executive who's not in the bubble right now is talking about how next season is going to look. And fans are so important to the economy for the for the basketball world. If they don't have fans, it's going to be a whole different conversation about how revenue is going to be split, much like you saw in baseball. So even though the bubble is working, this is the way that it's that has been shown right now with where the virus is. I don't think anybody wants to think about that yet because they really need fans next year at some point. All right, guys. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. What do you think, Richard? Yeah. No, I'm saying I agree with Ramon. Yeah. All right, the Celtics are looking for their fourth straight win here inside the bubble when they face the Grizzlies later today. On Sunday, Jason Tatum scored five points in a 33-second span. Five points, 33 seconds to send that Celtics magic game into overtime. He finished with 29 points in 42 minutes total of action. And afterward, he said, quote, I'm not afraid to take that shot even if it doesn't go in. There are moments that I live for, and this is one of them. It's all about game situations, a matchup maybe, or who has it going. So, Richard, does Tatum need to take the role of closer for the Celtics, or can they do it by committee, which is sort of what's been happening? I think they can do it by committee. I think you look at the Golden State Warriors and look at the talent that they have. Kevin Durant has the ability to get his shot off of anyone. Steph is a two-time MVP. Klay Thompson is one of the greatest shooters, maybe the best shooter on the team if you're talking about a spot-up. So that is a luxury that Brad Stevens has, and I expect him to use it. Look, Rachel, he came, he came of age a couple of years ago in the playoffs in those clutch situations. And this year, he actually has the highest shooting percentage on the team, 66% in clutch situations within the last five minutes of the game of all the Celtics. And I think for them to not just be in the playoffs and win a series or two, but to do something serious, he needs to be the guy. I mean, this is, this is his role, and I think we've already seen him do that a couple of years ago. Yeah, and look, that doesn't mean that Jalen Brown can't come and have a bravado performance in the fourth quarter mm -hmm. at some point. But it does seem like at there, there is a point where guys on the team need to know who the ball is going to. Uh, I, I guess the Golden State Warriors being the exception, Richard, but I think that team is the exception in every case, in all sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that the Celtics can model themselves on that, but we'll see. We'll see how he does the rest of the way here. This playoffs will be very, very important for his development. All right, our league pass game of the night tonight, Wizards versus Bucks. Let me explain here, let me explain. Uh, my hometown Wizards are 0-6 inside the bubble. And if they don't win tonight, their last chance to win a game inside the bubble would be against the Celtics, 
on Thursday. Now, I, I will say Giannis Antetokounmpo is not expected to play in this game because, Richard, he's obviously very frightened of Washington. He's, he's running scared, clearly, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Given that, though, what are the chances that the Wizards go winless? Well, I, I, look, I was even surprised that they were invited to this tournament. Let, let's be honest. People were hoping they for were a, too, like by a the Phoenix. looks of it. That they, yeah, by the looks of it, they didn't, you know, they didn't even bring, you know, uh, enough baggage to go into the, the postseason. Everyone packed an overnight bag. And so I think it becomes very, very unique when you start to talk about can they win a game? I don't think so. And I don't truly think I won't say that they don't care. These guys are out there working. You know, Scott Brooks is doing the best he can, but with a depleted roster, it becomes very, very difficult. Yeah, look, Davis Bertans opted out of playing in the bubble. They, they were really only in the bubble to create the sense of competition for an 8-9 game. They couldn't even do that. You know, I think they play this game, they lose this game, they get on a jet and fly home before morning. I think they leave as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we've had some of the teams that are outside the bubble uh, be upset, the delete eight or whatever people are calling it, um, saying, oh, we should have been in there, too. I think the Wizards are maybe proof that no, no one else should have been in this bubble. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, <laughs> Richard Ramona, thank you so much. That's it for us today on The Jump. We are back tomorrow at an ESPN2. Mom, I think this doll I found in the attic is cursed. No, its eyes are just very lifelike. Then why does its head keep spinning? Be my friend forever. Oh, that is scary. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's easy-to-use mobile app. You can manage your Geico policy whenever, wherever, wherever. Let's play with another doll. Or we can just bury it deep in the ground. Happy Geico-ween. Download the industry-leading Geico app today.